Well, good evening. As we get started uh, tonight, I, I would like for us to pause and uh, uh, spend just a moment um, in prayer for the devastating situation that uh, occurred uh, yesterday in Turkey, in Syria, with a massive earthquake. Uh, most recently, I think they've reported 12,000 dead, and that will only continue to climb, and billions of dollars in infrastructure damage and all of that. And so, uh, let, us, let us spend just a moment praying for those who's, I mean, if there's that many dead, there's, there's hundreds, if not millions, of families affected and, and just incredible, incredible devastation that occurs in our world. And so let's go before the throne of God uh, on their behalf and the church, our Heavenly Father. Uh, we lift up uh, right now in Jesus' name uh, this tragic situation, and uh, uh, we pray for your nearness and uh, uh, your comfort, and we pray for your church, Father, to be your hands and feet uh, to, to show and to share the love of Jesus Christ and the hope that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would use even this tragic uh, incident and difficulty, Father, to cause a hunger uh, to cry out for eternal life and things that, that last eternally in you, in your promises, in your Son, and so we pray to that end. We know that there are uh, many Christians, missionaries, churches uh, who are there, and we pray, Father, that you would give them strength and courage and boldness uh, to serve and to share and to pray and uh, to be light in the middle of this difficult situation. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so you know, we, we are working on our uh, response as, as a church, we have a disaster relief fund and we're in the process of using that. Uh, because you faithfully give, uh, those funds are set aside specifically for times like this. And so I'll let you know on Sunday uh, a specific dollar amount and then we'll, we'll also be able to give you a link if you so choose and desire to give specifically uh, uh, the IMB through uh, what we call SEND. Uh, organization uh, is incredible. They are already boots on the ground, already delivering water and being the hands and feet of Christ just as you would want them to. And so we will give you uh, that link and that uh, availability to do so. Uh, more details to follow, okay? Um, so just so you know, um, <clears throat> our planned intention response as a church. Uh, it is good for us to... Uh, to pause and to lament about the, the devastation and the hurt of our world. And it immediately makes us think again about, about heaven and eternity. And so on Wednesday nights, we, we've been walking through kind of the theology of heaven and been trying to think, and we've been, we've been pausing at different spots along the way and, and just pressing into the scripture, sometimes peeling it back and and just exploring in some of that space. And so uh, with our brief time tonight, I want us to continue to talk about this 
magnificent city called the New Jerusalem. Uh, a couple times ago, so uh, we weren't here last week, in case you're wondering. I had a couple people like, did I miss? We weren't here last week, so you didn't miss anything. Um, and so uh, we, we talked about the New Jerusalem that, that came down and the massive size of it, right? If, if you recall, it is, it is almost from coast to coast of the United States. It is, it is three quarters of the United States. And the scripture tells us that it's, it's a cube. And we pondered, is that supposed to be just metaphorical of the Holy of Holies? Or did God, when, when he created the Holy of Holies, say, you need to make it like this because... The new coming city, this is, this is what it's like forevermore. Uh, the wall is incredibly thick. Uh, the, the measurements that are given in the book of Revelation are in, they're all in square numbers, like you would imagine in 12s. So the, the, the measurement of the city is 12,000 stadia, and the, uh, uh, the, even the measurement of the thickness of the wall is 144 cubits. Well, if, if that is, is literal, that, that is more than 200 foot thick of a wall, all right? Now, what is that supposed to communicate to uh, particularly an ancient culture? You cannot uh, siege this wall. You cannot battle ram. There's no knocking this wall down. There is nothing you can do to a 200 foot thick wall. There's, a, there's another important uh, feature about that. It it says that, uh, and the gates are always open so that you can come in and out of this city. So imagine this, because presumably when you work through this idea and concept, there are more cities than just the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is one city. It's the major city. It's the capital city. But there are other cities. And the scripture says that the nations come in and out through the gates. Now, the gates are always open, and the reason that they're always open is because, well, at night in the ancient culture for protection, you would lock the gates, but there's no need to do that now, right? Because, because we don't need protection because evil has been done away with, but you still have the nations. So think about this. The nations still exist, Okay. And, and so that's all the culture, all the beauty, uh, the cultural beauty that exists within the nations, and they, they come and they, they bring their gifts and they pour into the capital city in Jerusalem. And, and it's described as there's, there's abundant wealth and precious stones, and the streets are made of pure gold, transparent like glass, what that is, I don't know, but it sounds pretty expensive, all right? And so, uh, and then there's this incredible detail as you continue to ponder this, all right? It is good and it is right for you to think and to long for your heavenly home, particularly on a week like this, right? When, when thousands and millions are devastated with an earthquake, what is it going to be like in that eternal city? What is it going to be like to walk streets of gold and to have that much culture and that much life exploding everywhere? Okay? 
And then there's a particular detail that we're called to. And that is Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of, it, in the middle of its street. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit and yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So right there in the middle of the, the, the capital city is the throne of Christ. This is where Christ is seated. You, you are to... Uh, imagine uh, the most magnificent capital building that you could imagine. And there is Christ's throne. And we've, we've meditated before about what it's going to be like for you to, to have your time at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, I, and I, I said, let's pretend hypothetically you get the invitation in the mail and you get to take 30 of your closest friends and it's your time to be in the banquet hall and just spend three months with Jesus. Like, what is that going to be like? There in the capital city. And so here we get this description that coming out of the throne, why? Because he is the source of all life, is a river. Now, in your mind, you're supposed to tie that back to Eden, when in the Garden of Eden, there was a river that flowed and nourished the whole land. But here, the river of life, it comes out of the throne. It is, it is the source. What is it going to be like for you to drink from that river and to have that water that is so pure, that is so refreshing, it's called the, the water of life. And on either side of that river are its, it's group of trees. It's, it's a whole park of the tree of life. The tree of life. Now, now you say, wait a second, Pastor. Are you sure we're supposed to be taking all of this literal? Well, it's debated. But the tree of life actually shows up like three or four times in the book of Genesis. It shows up in Ezekiel. And then it shows up like, uh, like four or five times here in the book of Revelation. And if, if, if I'm weighing out, working through this, I, I tend to lean and press towards uh, a literal interpretation of the tree of life. And the reason is, is because when you go back to the book of Genesis, and, and the, there is this tree that, that apparently even from the very beginning, Adam and Eve were supposed to eat and it was supposed to provide them continual nourishment. It was supposed to make it so that their bodies existed forever. And so uh, apparently that is, is strung along and now it's reintroduced at, at the end. And you say, well, well what would... What would the nations need healing from? I, I didn't think there was any more hurt or pain or disease or any of those things. And, and yes, those are, are true. Uh, uh, d death 
has been done away with. Um, but what seems apparent is that even in eternity, our bodies are made still dependent beings. We need to eat for sustainment. We need drink for sustainment and energy. So I don't think it means that your body doesn't get tired. I think you, just like we do now, we refresh and we have some of those sorts of cycles. And without spending too much time, but jumping off into a little bit of the weeds. It's impossible not to think about this and not get into the weeds. If you've ever thought very long about what life would be like without any pain, without any consequences for the way that the world works, uh, you quickly get off into some silly categories. So if you ask the question, you mean I can just jump off a mountain in heaven, right? And I can just fall 10,000 feet and I won't get hurt? Uh, uh, or, or I can just do anything. I can, I can punch through brick walls or something. Like there's no consequences. You, you quickly run out of, of any sort of concept of the, of the world that we live in. So maybe I'm speaking completely foolish and, and later I will just repent and Jesus will tell me I didn't know what I was talking about, okay? Um, but maybe it is that that the water that comes from the throne of heaven and the, uh, the tree of life that is, is for uh, the healing. If, if we do not have permanent death, uh, but you still realize that if I touch fire, it's hot, uh, maybe that could be used for healing. And it would still hurt. And you would say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore because that hurt, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and so anyways without going off too much into those weeds. We do see uh, this aspect. Now, to land the plane, because I'm out of time, as we think and as we meditate on this river of life and this tree of life and this nourishment, it's supposed to completely encompass the idea that God is the all-provider that he has given us everything we could ever need. And he will sustain us the same way that, that Jesus comes and says, I am the bread of life and drink of the everlasting water. And then we see those pop up again at the very end. As we think about our eternal home and what it might be like to be in that eternal city and to drink from that, river and to eat from that tree and to use its leaves for healing of the nations. Uh, it all points back to the fact that uh, there is coming a day and a time when he fully sustains us, when there is no disease, when there is, uh, you will be lacking nothing, absolutely nothing. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it, it uh fills our minds and our hearts with anticipation of what it's going to be like when, when we are in that magnificent city, the city that we all long for, the city that, that in the depth of our soul we call home because it's gonna be there with you and to see you on your throne and, and to taste your water and, and to eat uh, the fruit from the tree of life and to have eternal life. God, we cannot wait especially as we look around 
in a hurting and dying and broken world. Uh, we long for that day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great one as you go to your classes. My class, mine and Daniel's class is in here. We'll start in five minutes.